there's going to be a theme as we conclude our time in Acts this morning that centers around the kingdom of God and King Jesus. Uh, even as Rebecca shared this morning, Matthew 6, which this wasn't planned, where in it says, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom. We've seen that in Acts over and over again. As opposition comes up, as there's trial, there is an opportunity to worry and to be afraid and to doubt. But we've seen God's people, his church, seek his kingdom first. And God used that in abundantly beautiful ways. So even though we're concluding our time in Acts this morning, Acts comes to this abrupt conclusion that in some ways doesn't really make sense. I think it's because it's also an open invitation to God's people to join him in what God is doing in expanding his kingdom here and now on earth as it is in heaven and inviting his followers to join him in that expansion as being those that proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. So we only have two verses left this morning, which you may be like, that's not much at all. So we're going to be done in like five minutes. You don't know me very well. Uh, There's so much goodness, though, in these two verses. These two verses reminded me of a cinnamon roll, where uh, as you're eating, as you do the cinnamon roll, you start at the outside, right? Like only like crazy people start at the middle. No offense if that's you. Uh, You start at the outside and you work your way in and you are so excited for the middle. Like the middle of the cinnamon roll is the best part. Nobody leaves that on their plate to be thrown away. If you do, this is not the church for you. Just kidding. Uh, The middle of the cinnamon roll is the best part. And it's everything that you enjoyed about the rest of the cinnamon roll all in one. Probably it should be two bites, maybe more. But for a lot of us, it's just one bite of goodness. And this morning, these last two verses, they're not everything that we've seen in Acts. But man, there's so much of the goodness that we've seen through this story played out over and over again. And this morning, we just get to sit in that and remember our time in Acts, but also look forward. That while the story concludes, or the book concludes, I should say, the story of Acts continues through God's church now. So let's read, um, ah, well, let me say where we're picking up from where we left off last week. As Acts has come to this conclusion, we've been in a narrative recently where we've seen courtroom scenes of Paul's defense of why he's done what he's done and why he's been preaching what he preaches. We've seen shipwrecks. We've seen snake bites. We've seen storms. We've seen imprisonment. And last week, we saw Luke record his last time recording one of Paul's sermons, even though Paul goes on to write most of the New Testament. He records this last sermon where where Paul references Isaiah, where he calls out the religious leaders, the Jewish people who have continually blinded themselves to the truth. And Paul then makes the connection, though, that the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, will be receptive to the gospel, carrying out Jesus' words to his disciples of saying, go into all the world and share this good news, teaching them everything I've commanded you. So that's where we pick up this week with these last two verses. So if you have your Bible, feel free, open, open to Acts 28 at verse 30. It almost feels like an epilogue in some ways. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. 
He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And it ends. So where we pick up with Paul in this like little scene here is he's still under house arrest. He's not imprisoned in a jail, but Luke makes note that he's in a home that he's renting, which just seems kind of ironic in some ways. But, but Paul, we've seen over and over again, like I can provide for myself because God has given me more than enough. But he's renting his own home, but there he, he's not free. Uh, he is under the watch of Roman guards. Um, and he doesn't have freedom to go out and do whatever he wants. But what we do see he's free to do is to have people come into his home and to continually share about the kingdom of God and about King Jesus with them, teaching them Jesus' wisdom, Jesus' ways, what the kingdom is like, and reminding them of who their king is. And here we see in verse 30 that it says he welcomed all people. And as I read this the first couple times, and you see what Paul's doing as he welcomes people into this home, is he's sharing with them the kingdom. He's sharing with them, this is the kingdom of God. This is King Jesus. And so I was trying to think of, oh, who are those people that would be coming into his home? And my mind automatically went to people who need to hear about the kingdom for the first time who haven't trusted in Jesus. Maybe they have questions and they're coming to him. And maybe that is true. And we'll talk more about how this news of the kingdom and about King Jesus needs to go to all peoples, lost peoples of every nation. But also my guess is there were many believers, brothers and sisters in Christ who came to Paul's home and it's there with them that he also proclaims the kingdom. He also reminds them and encourages them, challenges them, strengthens them in who their King Jesus is, which makes me wonder, church, brothers and sisters, when we get together, whether it is in this capacity on Sunday morning or when it's for coffee or when we have a meal together in our home with other believers, are we focused on that time being kingdom space? Like this is space where we can encourage each other we can laugh together. We can have joy. We can share a meal together. We can pray for one another. Do we have that mindset as we gather with one another? And not, especially on Sunday mornings or Wednesdays at youth group, not just from the stage. Like so much of church, unfortunately, in the West revolves around this, this area. And church is about that area about people in seats with one another next to each other, looking across the sanctuary and saying, that's my brother, that's my sister who I can encourage in Christ today. I can have over for a meal. And maybe that sounds like, would I be preaching the sermon to them then? No, not that you could. Some of you will. Um, but no, not necessarily. It's as simple as, as you're with someone actually listening. Seeing if there's ways you, that Jesus is prompting you like, this is what I'm doing in their life right now. This is how I can encourage them. Or even simply asking, man, how can I just be praying for you this next week? And something I've had to get better at is not saying, I'll pray for you this next week, but just doing it right then and there. Do we see these opportunities that God has with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, to share and encourage each other in how he's at work, how his kingdom is expanding. If you want to grow in this, I would suggest you get to know my friend Adam Wilde over here. He is one of the very best 
at whatever circumstance is going on, whether it's a middle schooler breaking rules in a game at youth group, or somebody sharing something really offhandedly, or a conversation about coffee, he sees it as opportunities to point to Jesus and his kingdom. And it's really natural, and I don't know all how he does it, but Adam goes at a different pace in life, probably a pace that Jesus thinks is more beautiful and appropriate, and he probably hates that I'm talking about this right now because I didn't ask him if I could share it. Um, But, man, I want to be more like that in the way that Jesus, too, saw the opportunities in front of him to encourage, challenge his disciples, and to point them to the kingdom of God. Let's grow in that together, church. And with that, we ask some of you to think about or to challenge you. And like, as our time in Acts concludes, we would love to hear from you how going through this book together has been encouraging. And we had one person respond saying they'd be willing to share. So would you help me in welcoming up Ginger to the front up here? So, she said I could share this. Ginger doesn't want to share because of flesh and fear and all that kind of stuff, but Ginger does want to share because she was like, I want it to be an example that if I can do this, other people can do this too, which I just think is so beautiful um, that I just, we were talking about it this morning, that when we are weak, that is when God is most able to be powerfully perfect in us. And so church, and she's like, I sure hope so. <laughs> but church, let's hear from our sister who has been encouraged in her time in Acts. Ginger, take it away. Thank you. Um, so through the book of Acts, there were a lot of things that uh, spoke to me. But they only gave us a little paragraph space. So <laughs> anyway, uh, because of Acts... I came to know Paul better, and he was an example to me to stay focused on my purpose and my trust and the trust of my God, trusting my God. Paul always knew he had a purpose from God. He focused on that purpose, whether he was killing Christians or calling people to Christ. He had that passion going. In Acts 4.10, Paul says that by the name of Jesus Christ, this man is standing before you well. Reminded me, I can speak by the authority of Jesus Christ. In chapter 9, when Jesus spoke to Paul on the road to Damascus, I was encouraged regarding my unsaved family members because even the most blind person can be made to see when Jesus steps in. During the message from chapter 17, I was reminded that when I study or hear God's message, I need to take time to digest it, to digest it like Matt said, sitting in my crock pot and becoming saturated with the knowledge and wisdom I receive from the scriptures. In Acts 22, Paul used his knowledge of the old scriptures to speak in terms people would understand which reminds me to consider who I am talking to when I speak about Jesus and to speak in ways they would understand. From Acts 26:29, when Paul spoke to King Agrippa while in chains, I see that Paul's chains did not hold him back. My question for myself is what chains are holding me back? 
With all these things and more, I can armor up for the day with my focus on God and seek out my purpose in every opportunity that day, just like Paul did. Thank you, Ginger. Good job. And that's it for this morning. Let's go. No, so good. Thank you for being willing to share that with us. And I don't say this to, I get, like, life's busy and we forget things or we have fears about, like, speaking in front of people. But I would just encourage us that if we can't do this here together, like, how in the world are we going to do it out there with people who are diametrically opposed to the message that we're sharing? Like, this is training ground 101 of growing in our own confidence uh, in Christ to be able to share and testify what he has done. And my guess is with summer coming up, all of that, there's just busyness and life got in the way. But I'd encourage us all the more. It doesn't have to be up here, right? It's not about the stage, but with one another. And hopefully this is already happening. Let's continue to talk with one another about how God is inviting us to join him in what he's doing in the world, what he's teaching us, how he's provided for us, so that we're praising him in places that aren't constructed by man, but it's natural God's kingdom places where he's glorified. So thank you, Ginger. So as we came to the end of Acts, it just ends kind of weird, right? It's just super abrupt. Like, maybe you're here and you're wondering, well, wait, what happens to Paul? Like, he's under house arrest. Like, what's, are they, are they going to, like, set him free? Like, is this a good step, or is he going to die, or what? But Luke doesn't tell us. It just ends. And I could tell you, like, what happens to, actually, I would not be the, bring Ron Frost back or somebody like that to do it. Um, but I, let's remember, Paul is not the main character of the story. We see the main character come to the forefront again because all throughout Acts, even though Jesus is no longer physically on the planet, his kingdom and his rule and reign cannot be stopped. Even though Paul is here under house arrest again, it is another opportunity that Jesus gives him for him to declare who the king is and what it means to be a part of his kingdom. And it shows us at the end of Acts that that is the way it is always going to be. Forevermore, there is no end to the kingdom of Jesus. It will only continue to reign and rule until everything in all creation comes under his reign and rule. And one day we see our king face to face, sin and death defeated. We're perfectly walking as kingdom people. There's different theories why Acts ends so abruptly, and Ron uh, shared last week one of the one that he wonders or thinks about is maybe Luke wrote this like third letter um, that then detailed more what happened to Paul. And totally, I mean, I am not the person to ask. Maybe that is the case. But as I just look at it with my limited scope and perspective of potentially the intentionality of Luke, even more so the intentionality of our God of why Acts this ends this way, um, I think it's really fitting that it doesn't have this like cookie cutter roll the credit scene where the audience just gets to walk away satisfied like, ah, that was really good. 
it seems like there should be this wanting more that comes out of Acts ending this way. And I think it's because God is using the end of Acts for us to see, the church to see, that we are the continuation of the story. The book ends. The story continues. God is still acting through his body by the power of his spirit today. So harvest, do we see ourselves as the continuation of this story? The ending of Acts is an open invitation to followers of Jesus to join him in proclaiming the good news of his kingdom. The very title, like Acts, compels you to want to respond to what you have heard, to what you have witnessed, to what you have tasted. It's not, hey, that was really good knowledge to just store up and then come back to later sometime. Like the very title evokes, at least in me, hopefully in us, this like, man, like how do I get in on what you're doing, God? I want, to, I want to see more of this, and it may not look exactly like what we saw in the book, but I want to see your kingdom expand here on earth as it is in heaven. Can you do that in Camas? Can you do that in Washougal and in Vancouver to the ends of the world? Like, this should stir up in us. How is God inviting me? How is God inviting us to continue this story? As we see Paul here proclaiming under house arrest the continuation of this story, the expansion of God's kingdom, it says that he does it with all boldness and without hindrance in verse 31. Without any hindrance indicates that the kingdom will advance and go forward when there's trouble, when there's turmoil, when there's hardship. God is the one who makes a way for his kingdom to expand. He asks us to just join in with him. And so often, at least for me, I imagine all these barriers out there when it comes to me both participating in his kingdom or sharing his kingdom with others. And as I was sitting in this passage this week, like, man, like, God, you made a way for Paul, even while he was imprisoned, to still share the gospel. And we've seen that over and over and over again in Acts. Like, God makes a way. And I'm like, well, so it really looks like there's not too many barriers that God can't deal with. So why do I get so hung up? And most of the time, the biggest barrier for me is actually what's happening in my mind, the reasons I tell myself, well, no, God wouldn't use you for that. Or, or God, God, uh, maybe if you do this thing, it's like I create a maze or a labyrinth for myself. If God, like, does this and that thing and then does this and then that leaf blows this way and then that person approaches you first and they share their life story with you just out of the blue, then maybe I will share the gospel with them. Is that just me that does that? No, yeah, okay, just me, sweet. Um, right, we, we, our own minds become this barrier to us. And I love, I didn't have it planned, but Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom. Do we trust that God takes care of all the other things we could worry about and be concerned about? We proclaim through song, through prayer, in scripture often here that God, you are all powerful. God, you are all knowing. God, you can do anything. 
your story is beautiful and awesome, and then it comes down to real-life moments where do I believe these things about God as I'm sitting across from my friend at a coffee shop and I feel the urge of the Holy Spirit to talk to them about Jesus? Like, do I believe that God is who he says he is, whether they receive what I say or whether they don't? And this is just a moment for God to even plant a seed to expand his kingdom further. And Acts should be ammo for us in the sense of we have seen over and over again our God is more than able to get rid of the barriers. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has been working before we were ever a thought on this planet Earth. He has prepared opportunities for us to step into as his people, as his children. He's lined out those things for us to walk into and to say yes in faith. He's removed the barriers he's already made away. Do we trust him and believe him in that? Next week, we're starting the book of James. That's where we're going next, which over and over again, we will see the theme that our faith has to lead to faithful and wise actions. They go hand in hand. James goes as far to say, faith without works is dead. That works do not produce your faith, but a faith that has no fruit of works in someone's life is a faith that is not alive. So get ready for that. That'll be fun. As Paul is proclaiming here the kingdom, he does it with all boldness, without any hindrance and with all boldness. As we opened our time in Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven and he tells his disciples before he leads, wait, like wait for the Holy Spirit to come in power. And then on the day of Pentecost, we saw that moment in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit descends, fills the people, and then sends them out to start proclaiming the goodness, good news of his kingdom. But they're met with opposition right off the bat. And so how do they respond to that opposition? They gather together and they pray, and they pray for boldness. God, will you help us to continue to declare your kingdom and King Jesus even as we meet bumps and what seemingly are walls and barriers that try to keep us from doing that in the story of Acts over and over again as people filled with the Spirit preaching, teaching, talking, communing with people in boldness. Acts ends with that prayer being answered, and it's been answered along the way, but we see it come to fruition in Paul. God answered that prayer for them to preach boldly, and he's still doing it, and he will continue to do it in the life of his church today. So the question that I want us to grapple with this morning is where is God inviting me to join his kingdom work? And maybe, like, I don't, I don't begin to imagine that that's like a brand new question for people here this morning. Maybe for some of you it is. There's probably been times where you've wondered, like, gosh, Lord, I feel like you're, like, calling me to step out in this relationship with this person or to join this ministry or this thing. And yet there's barriers or there's fears or there's doubts. My hope is that this morning 
this would just be more confirmation and affirmation from the Lord that he is saying, join in what I'm doing. I will deal with the barriers. Trust me. Step out in faith. Serving here on a Sunday is, is so good and so important, and we need that, and so many people have come forward recently to offer help. But we also don't want to be a church that just centers around our Sunday service. If we're doing that, we have failed. If Paul later writes that we are to be Christ's ambassadors to the world, we're to view ourselves as sent ones, what we do here on Sunday morning, super important, very valuable. But if it's missing this other piece of going out into all the world, going out into our communities, that there's six days of the rest of the week, and this is only just like a two-hour slot during those seven days, there is so much more that God is inviting us to join him with. And we value our time on Sundays, but we don't want to just be a Sunday morning church. So think of the relationships you have with people that don't know Jesus. We've talked about this before, but it could be your neighbors. It could be other parents that um, your kid is on a sports team and you are going to like three games a week and all these different practices. And there's these other parents that are coming there as well. It could be people you go to school with or you are on that sports team. It could be in your gym membership, people that you have started, um, you have started coming across over and over again. You both show up at four in the morning and you're like, we're crazy people. And you you have an opportunity to continue to build a relationship with that individual. And I think often here we have said, like, hey, share Jesus with those people. And I know sometimes that sounds so stinking ethereal, right? Like, what does that even mean? Like, as that dude's, like, doing bicep curls, I'm just supposed to say, hey, what do you believe about Jesus? You could do that. That is a possibility, um, catch them while they're down, I guess, like they're in a weak moment. No, don't do that. Captive audience, not great. Um, but I want us to think about sharing Jesus or expanding the kingdom in light of 1 Thessalonians 2. I just, when I first started on Young Life staff years ago, this was a passage I just clung to of what I wanted ministry in Young Life and then in youth group to look like. Paul writes this, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her, her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. This picture of gospel and life overlapping. The message, the beauty, the power of it, but the message continued through a life that is sacrificed. And who does that sound like? Jesus who came proclaiming a message of, come to me. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and turn. And then showed us the ultimate message of the good news in laying down his own life. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul here, Luke makes note of, because maybe you may be asking, like, well, what does it look like to share my life? Well, Paul here says he rents this house, and what does he do with it? He invites people into it, anyone. Come be in my space that God's given me. And I was thinking about this, like, uh, maybe you're like me, and we can come up with a lot of reasons why we shouldn't have people in our space. 
oh, shoot, I haven't cleaned today. Oh, no, I'm super busy. Oh, man, like, I, I just, yeah, I just don't want to. <laughs> and here's Paul under house arrest. There's Roman guards watching him all the time. And he doesn't use it as an excuse to keep people out of his home. And I'm not saying have healthy boundaries, right? Like, <laughs> you should have space for you and your family. And if we are called to share good news and to share life, there will be sacrifice that comes with that. It will be giving up Netflix night in order to have some people come into your space to share a meal together, to grow those relationships. I have some youth leaders that have been phenomenal at that, sacrificing time. It, I've told them before, time is one of the most valuable things we could give students. I think it's one of the most valuable things we could give people in general. And even if you don't feel like you have much to offer, I, I've been blown away at times where there's been a student or two that I've been like, man, I want to hang out with them. And then it's been like a year, and there's only one time we got together. And the value that comes out of that one-hour conversation or two-hour, I just hung out with Jonah a couple weeks ago, and the value that came out of that time with Jonah was like, man, this is so good, Lord. Thank you. And that's had to shift for me, becoming a dad and just knowing how to be a good husband and father in that, but still offering that time. Like, God over and over again blesses that. This morning, we heard about Young Life. And we have other groups, too. Our church seems to have this immense heart for young people coming to know Jesus. There's track camp that Cindy has championed for so long to be an extension of the gospel to students, to young people who have grown up in the foster care system or, or in it currently, and for them to have the opportunity to hear the hope of the gospel. At youth group, a third of our group has no church background whatsoever. There are avenues, there are vehicles that we readily have for you as well to join in, to say yes, to watch the expansion of God's kingdom and to participate in it. And I do want to recognize some of you have been, or maybe a lot of you, maybe all of you have been diligently serving. Um, and it may not be in a specific ministry, but with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, and inviting them in and sharing your life and sharing the good news. But you didn't share about it this morning. So how are we supposed to know? Just kidding. Just a little stab. Um, but we would love to know those things. And part of the reason we'd love to know those things is to encourage you and come alongside you in those things as well, to lift those things up to God in prayer. A couple weeks ago, I asked for help with youth group. And after the service, Tiani, uh, maybe some of you, Tiani, do you mind waving? You could just raise your hand. That's Tiani there. Tiani came up to me and I hadn't met Tiani too often before. I knew of her, and I knew her through Kathleen and going to playgroup together because Tiani's a grandma and brings her granddaughter to playgroup on Wednesdays. And so Tiani comes up to me, and she's like, Matt, you shared about help for youth group. I've been at home on Wednesday nights, and I think about how there's all these youth at the church from 7 to 9 o'clock, and I'm thinking about them, and here I am sitting in my living room, and I'm praying about them. Is there any chance you could use somebody like me to help out with your youth group? And just tell me if I'm too old. 
which Tiani's joined us, been coming for like a month now, and she's learning what it looks like to walk with students, specifically middle school girls. Um, she's talking to me about going to camp, and she's like Neo from the Matrix when we're playing dodgeball. It's unbelievable. Like, miraculous moments have happened in this sanctuary as a ball's coming straight for her face, and she like bends back further than I can. It was crazy. Um, but with that, I share that, that for one, young people that are in middle school and high school that are in here, you are not too young for God to use you to expand his kingdom here and now. People that have as many gray hairs as I do and, and more, we also don't retire from God using us to expand his kingdom. There is always opportunity to join in in what God is doing. What if that was what our church was marked with? When people talked about Harvest Church, they're like, those people, they're all about God's kingdom expanding. I don't know what our community thinks about us fully. I don't know what other churches in the area think about us. I don't even know if we fully understand our identity. What if it was a surefire thing? Like, man, those people, they keep telling me about this good news, and they keep sharing their life with me. They invite me into their home. I see them hanging out with people that are way younger than them and like playing dodgeball when I'm like, that would really make me sore the next day. How is God inviting you to be a continuation of this story? And I need to wrap up for time's sake, but I just want to share a couple brief stories because I was thinking of parents. Um, sometimes we say these things and... Uh, and we don't always, from up front, think about all the potential barriers that are real-life barriers for people. And having kids being one, not that they're a barrier, but life, even for myself, before Bennett, life, ministry life looked very different than it does now. There's things that have to become realigned. And sometimes what I've seen in people, even in myself, is you kind of pendulum swing. Right? Like you're all in with ministry here, and then you have a kiddo, and then it just goes all this way. And your most important ministry, yes, is discipling your children. Like, that comes first. Um, but I've seen some really cool examples of parents who have joined into ministry with their kids. I have a friend named Joy who started helping out in her son's elementary school class, and there was this tight-knit group of girls. And Joy just started praying for those girls. Not like in the class, like public school laying hands or anything like that, but no, she just like wrote their names down and started praying for them. Fast forward, they're sixth graders. She's their young life leader taking them to camp, and then she becomes their leader who walks with them on a weekly basis all through graduating through high school last year. I have a friend named Chris who once his son was uh, going to go into high school, he was like, hey, Ryan, what if we drove around today with these Young Life camp flyers and we invited all your friends to come with us? So father and son made a day of it and they went around. He talked to parents and they just invited all their friends. And then he took like, it was more more guys that um, I had to be invited to go and do the other cabin. There was like 20-something dudes that end up going to this thing. The next year, we took 50 freshmen to, to Malibu because this thing just caught like wildfire. And Chris and Ryan then walked with his friends all the way through graduation. And they still get together um, uh, on a regular basis when they're in town. And they still talk about the kingdom of God and check in. 
and even my own parents, they made a space in our home on the weekends where they wanted my friends to know they could come and they could be and they would be loved. And they specifically took interest in my friends who they knew didn't have the best home life. And they became, uh, they became spiritual parents where some of my friends, even though they're not walking with Jesus now, they will talk about the times my parents were there for them, and I had no, no idea they were doing that. But they always got pizza. We went to Blockbuster when that was a thing and rented the new movie that was out or watched the game that night. And they just made our home a space for my friends to come and to be loved and to experience what the kingdom of God is like. Each of these stories comes, came with instances of hurdles, sacrifice, hardship, fail, failure, discouragement. Don't get me wrong. We've seen that in Acts 2 but we've also seen God overcome those barriers and those hurdles. So Harvest, how are we going to be a continuation of this story? And I thought the most appropriate thing that we could do this morning is take some time to pray. Maybe there is something specifically on your heart right now where you're like, gosh, God, there it is again. You just keep kind of poking at it. Like, I should, I should invite that person over, or there's this friend that I haven't reached out to in a while, or there's this ministry you've put on my heart. And we can pray together for boldness, that God would give us the courage to either continue in what he's called us to or to step out in faith for the first time into something that right now may feel scary but God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine when we say yes to him. So we're going to do something a little different. You got me, so I'm going to actually make you do something uncomfortable. I want you to just group up with a couple people around you. It could just be your immediate family, but it could not, and that could be a really awesome thing this morning. And then we have a slide that's going to indicate a couple things that you could do in this space. You could share briefly, like, it's this thing that God's putting on my heart right now. Let's pray for it. You could pray for the person on your right without knowing anything that they shared. That's okay. Um, we just seek the Lord in that. God, whatever you are doing in them, whatever you're bringing to mind or on putting on their heart, would you just increase it and give them the boldness to step into that? It could be as simple as that. You could also pray silently as a group. I know this can be super uncomfortable for some people. If you're new, welcome. We don't always do this. Um, come back. <laughs> uh, but I encourage you, wherever you're at, whether you group up with people or not, whatever is on your mind and heart right now, would you bring that before the Lord and seek him and his kingdom first?